Hello and welcome to episode 333 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. 333 is a psychologically satisfying number for uh, people that are fans of repetition or symmetry. And uh, speaking of repetition, we are bringing back the same crew as last week for another episode on the very first Suikoden. But uh, what is that psychologically satisfying trio that's joining me today? They are Corey Tischbein. Hello, hello. Zach Wilkerson. Hello. And Jonathan Logan. Hello there. Uh, Zach, Jono, Corey, all of us managed to finish Suikoden in time for this recording, which uh, pleases me greatly because I had a lot of fun playing Suikoden for the first time. I sort of wanted to spread it out and maybe finish it just a couple days before recording uh, so it would be fresh in my mind, but I got way ahead of myself and like binged it two nights in a row and finished <laughs> it something like a week early. It was uh, it, it, it's, um, a, a dramatic and exciting and uh, rewarding game as you play because every time you finish a story segment, there's someone new to recruit and some dramatic story thing happens. So it pretty much keeps firing on all cylinders from an, like an RPG perspective and a story perspective. I I had a really good time with it. And uh, um, Corey, both you and I were playing this for the first time for the podcast. So what were your sort of uh, uh, beating ga- the game for the first time impression? Sort of how I felt about the first half of the game um you know it on the whole uh moved pretty quickly i think breezy was the word that we used last episode um it's never really boring like as you were saying whenever you finish a dungeon section you have a bunch of characters to recruit you can work on the uh, castle there's always stuff to do and see the pace is broken up pretty well by the duels and battles um and i got a kick out of the story even though it was maybe a little more simple than it needed to be um it really kept my attention throughout so i I really liked the game uh and kind of left it feeling satisfied although i do have some thoughts on the ending including some amusement that some of the characters that you uh kind of get a synopsis about like what they did after the game apparently just like disappear and are never seen again yeah a, a, with me. a remarkable number of characters uh like vanish into the sunset and become adventurers not not to be seen again unless they're in suikoden 2 uh <laughs> that was a, a remarkably common ending and it, but but i'm wish i'm with you we talked about how quickly the game is paced in the previous episode and it continues uh for the second half of the game it, it just feels like the game is never wasting your time in a way that I almost wish that it was slightly slower, just so we could marinate a little bit on characters that I maybe think we could have gotten more time out of. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes the game moves so fast that someone joins your army and then they never say a word again in when I would like to, for them to have said more words. Um, Zach, uh, in contrast to Corey and I beating this game for the first time, this is maybe round 10 for you playing Suikoden? That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, do you feel it holds up from your first playthrough more than twenty years ago to today? Yeah, I, I, and actually, in some ways, I think I like it more. Um, I don't know. As I play more games that spin their wheels and just like kind of vomit information at you constantly, um, and don't hold your hand in ways that I find really frustrating. Um, a big part of me really loves going back to a more classical style. And I think that Suikoden, and while I agree that they could definitely flesh some things out, and I agree with Corey's criticism, I think that Suikoden do a great job 
Um, I still think that they have like enough like tiny moments with enough different characters that it still really works for me. Um, as you were pointing out, see, um, respect the time plays that I really appreciate because interestingly, I started playing it and I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna get to like the cut point, and like two days later, I finished it. <laughs> and so I understand yeah. like it's just a game that once I start like it rolls so fast that I. That's how it was for me as well. Like I, I uh, um, Suikoden One is pretty segmented. Like, like you'll sort of uh, resolve the conflict in a certain region. A bunch of characters will join your party, and then you'll get the note of the notifications. I'm, I'm, it's like I'm talking about a, a a social media app or something. But the, but the, you'll get like the next event flag saying, "Oh, here's where we're going next," and then that's sort of the next segment of the game. The game is is chopped up into distinct pieces. But 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 they're all fun and self-contained in a way. Um, uh, uh, Jono, you uh, this is not your first time playing Suikoden either. Um, like like what was your uh experience through the second half, and how did it uh how did it stack up against your memory of it? Uh, pretty much the same as it uh did for the first half of the game. It's I think it's a very very strong game. Um, it feels a little bit like a I, I was going to say a throwback, but that's not quite true. Whenever a new generation of video game consoles gets released, the first, I'd say, round, two rounds of games always feel like games that could have been released on the previous generation. Like this, in many ways, aside from a few, like the 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 3D um, battlefield when you're in a regular fight, this could easily have been on a Super Nintendo in terms of its look, its its feel. Um, and I mean, that's, that's where I live in terms of... Uh, my enjoyment of classic RPGs. So yeah, this is a classic. This is such a great game. Um, it asks a lot from you uh, in terms of remembering the incredible number of characters and locations. Uh, but if you are uh, if you're paying attention, this game there's it, it, there's a big reward from playing this game and paying attention. I would say. Oh yeah, please do not expect me to remember. Uh, character names or place names with any regularity here, especially since in in one area, each each town has two names, of, and I'll I'll aver- remember an average of zero of them, uh, <laughs> going forward. But uh, l- l- let's pop back into sort of where we left off the previous episode, it, in the part of the game where uh, uh, you sort of encounter um, elves and dwarves and kobolds, which are basically dog people. Uh, in in the great forest region to the uh, southeast of where your of where Lake Castle is, uh, it you again. This all seems like it happens so fast, but you uh, go through the forest. You see the uh, a kobold village where most of the kobolds have been have been captured. You uh, go to the elven uh, kingdom where they're extreme. The all of the elves are extremely cold to you, except for your one elf friend's fiance, uh, who. Uh, you know, it helps you break out of jail. Then, like, try, uh, w- like, you're trying to warn the elves that their, uh, kingdom will be under attack soon. None of them believe you. You go to the dwarven kingdom to try and get some dwarf technology to protect the elves. But by the time you get back to the elves, it's too late and the entire village is burned down. Then you take on the, uh, imperial general, general, Fonda Rosman, uh, and have your first army battle and your first one on one duel, which are sort of the two. Uh, alternate alternate uh, battle types in Suikoden, and and uh, 
I, I think I've been saying consistently that I think Suikoden 2 is a better game than Suikoden 1. Uh, or at least my my memory of it is is uh, of Suikoden 2 is that it, you know, it, it it's it's sort of Suikoden 1 but more in mostly a good way. It's a perfect sequel. Uh, Zach, I, I like these army battles better. <laughs> oh, do you? These rock, paper, scissors army battles that are so easy to break? <laughs> I I did not like the army battles in Suikoden 2 a lot of the time. They, they I felt like I wish they were cutscenes instead of instead of strategy RPG battles. And and for this to be a vague, uh, a giant battle of rock, paper, scissors vaguely informed by who you've, who you've recruited so far, just, I, I, I like these a little more. Is that is that fair? <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't agree, but I understand your point. Um, I mean, I understand, like, Sukun 2 is this, like, really bad fire emblem, right? Um, so, in terms of strategy, um, and, like, a lot of the times you'll get in a fight, and the stats won't seem to mean anything, um, and it's so frustrating when someone dies, it's so easy there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like the army battles in basically all of them, except for, I don't know, I don't actually don't love the ones that we get in 3, because have to train your army up so much um in order to be effective um but i mean i like the rock paper scissors element of it but once you get like ninjas and you get like thieves and they can just tell you what the other side's gonna do but um, sometimes but they're wrong and that burned me a couple times were they or were they wrong or did they just come oh, i guess i guess the thieves are sometimes right but i think the ninjas have 100 percent accuracy don't they i thought so but the, the uh at, at least once the ninja was a, a 100% uh was 100% incorrect in the uh in the battle <laughs> against Uber but but it only happened once okay um that's very frustrating um yeah um i i, I think they're fun they're they're a fun diversion um but they're so easy that they don't really distract from the rest of the game i didn't think it kind of adds to the scope in a sort of silly way i like them sort of playing around with something that i don't think i've ever quite seen where else probably for good reason but yeah um i understand they're easier and they're quicker and they're not nearly as painful as we could yeah i, I mean I, I i i shouldn't say i loved them i mean i mean it's it, it was more like i got really annoyed at the uh, army battles in suikoden 2 a couple times and for this to be something that i could just get over and done with easily uh <laughs> that that was just fine by me um and, and 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 honestly, the army battles aren't that meaningfully different from the duels because they do use a rock paper scissors mechanic where you have three different types of attacks each, and there's a, a you know a uh, uh, a circle of strengths and weaknesses on which is effective against the other. But uh, the duels are basically the same in Suikoden one and two, and they just give you uh, a, some dramatic flavor for taking down a couple key bosses. Uh, and the the one against Quanda Rosman is almost is I, I thought almost pitifully easy. I mean, even when I made a mistake, I, it didn't feel like I was punished too badly for it, compared to a certain later duel, uh, which we'll talk about soon. But uh, the, the general sense of it was that uh, Rosman is the general that's in charge of that region in the southeast. Uh, he's definitely exploiting the kobolds, leaving the dwarves alone because they're on the other side of the mountain and was targeting the elves with what appears to be a weapon of mass destruction. And, and, uh, and by sort of getting the Liberation Army in there, you get multiple people from the kobolds, elves, and dwarves on your side uh, to, to combat the threat, but, um, but it's too late for the Elven Kingdom, which is, again, like a, a remarkably brutal tragedy for just being a small footnote in this game. Like, oh yeah, they wiped out the entire Elven Kingdom. No big deal. 
Yeah, and aside from the uh, three elves that join you, we don't really see any survivors, do we? There's a fourth one that joins there's you later. One. Yeah, so there's a whole, a whole uh, what is it, uh, 127th of your army is elves, but they never really address it after that. <laughs> I feel like it's significantly later, though. Yeah, no, the, the fourth elf that joins is uh, uh, but way at the end of the game, and I think that... You need the, to be at a certain level, I think, to get them. I, I think your starting elf needs to be level 40 for him to join, for the last one to join. Because he'll ignore you unless... Oh, what, I feel bad. What's his name? Um, is it Kirkus or something like that? Yeah, that's him, Kirkus. Uh, Kirkus is the elf that's on your side from the beginning. And for the last elf to join, you need to have Kirkus in your party, and he needs to be level like 35 or 40 around that around that area cuz I, I remember I couldn't get him until after I beat the neckboard stage but uh, but uh, you know that this is not a bad aside here um character recruitment in this game is something that happens basically constantly like before like during and during every story segment and between every story segment there's uh new characters made available to recruit and uh the optional major you know uh well, not that optional, but the uh, maybe the most persistent quest in Suikoden 1, other than the main story, is recruiting all 108 stars of Destiny. And sometimes the recruitment gets a little weird. Like, uh, 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 Clive, one of my favorite characters from the late game, only jo- will only appear randomly in one town that you that's way earlier in the game than when you can recruit him, and only if you've already recruited 90 other characters. And, uh, that that elf we mentioned before uh, needs a certain other character in your party and level forty to join, and um, a couple characters like Pesmerja, uh, you have to basically go to the very end of a dungeon that you've already beaten after you have ninety characters on your in your army, and there's no Thanks prompting at all. Wall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's no prompting at all to revisit these areas with with your uh, army at a certain level. So it's there's no way I would have found all one hundred and eight without a guide helping me. It, just no way at all. I, I might have gotten to 80, but the uh, the character recruitment can get very weird and specific, but there's very few things more satisfying than hearing that sort of a, that sort of sitar chime when someone joins your army. So I, I was very motivated to find all 108. Uh, uh, did, uh, Zach, John O'Corey, did, did you manage to get all of them this time and, uh, and you know, uh, get the special re-recruitment or uh, did you, you know, cut it, uh, cut it earlier? I was able to get all of them this time. Um, it's it doesn't have any weird cutoff points. Like I think with mo- I don't think you can like there's only maybe like two or three missable recruits, and they're only basically they're basically still like not really missable. Unlike Tweaked in Two, which last time I played through that I missed one, but yeah, I got them all this time. Yeah, I got them all too. I tried to rely on my memory for many as I could, but then I did resort to going to a guide to make sure I didn't miss anyone. Because I did not want to, I did, I I needed to get my uh, my boy back at the end of the game. <laughs> I, I wanted some stew, and uh... <laughs> um, I I somehow missed a few, but I got up to speed on some of the story bit, and that I missed by not getting all 108. So I'm uh, I'm aware of what you're talking about. All right, yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's get to that now. Um, the, the segment of the game after the Rosman army. Uh, battle is this uh segment of the continent to the west where uh the ar- the general in charge um of the imperial forces there is Milich Oppenheimer 
And uh, Milich Oppenheimer is very uh, flamboyant. He, uh, his kingdom is, uh, I should say, his fortress is covered in flowers that can uh, paralyze or put enemies to sleep. So you have to find a legendary alchemist to come up with an antidote to counteract that. Uh, and, uh, and but right when you find the alchemist, he's captured by Oppenheimer. So you have to go to the prison and free him. Uh, and But then when you go to the prison, Oppenheimer sets a trap uh, with uh, flesh-eating bacteria, which is no joke and a... a uh, a uh a an irrational fear of mine like i i'm always worried about catching MRSA if i go swimming in a lake or something so for that to show up in a 1995 rpg i was a little bit i was a little bit you know like spit your drink out double take but uh sadly um to save the rest of your team uh gremio sacrifices himself your your father's retainer who was your uh, caretaker and one of your closest friends Grimio, who's, I mean, his defining traits are uh, a hatchet, um, cooking stew, and calling you young master. Uh, was uh, refusing uh, to leave the damn party. And, yeah. say, and also being decidedly mid as a party. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, there are so many times where I wish I could have, you know, brought on Valeria instead of Gremio for a story segment. But no, Gremio just has to be with the young master. But. So it was Not a anymore. yeah for for a gameplay reason it was a relief to have someone besides Gremio in the party but for a story reason it it's a it's a pretty uh a, a pretty shocking character death um uh, uh Corey were you expecting this and what was your reaction No I was not expecting it at all as I think I betrayed by my last uh the last episode where I jokingly asked if Gremio was the person who died later in the game um I was <laughs> I was taken aback and finally understood why Jono was making this joke about me maybe deciding not to get all the stars and enjoying that ending better. Um, I I thought it was unnecessarily gross, like the way he went. I didn't feel like that was necessary, but um, I can't say I didn't enjoy part of it. Sorry, guys. Uh, honestly, like the first, I don't know, five or six times I played this game, I was relieved. <laughs> it was horrible to say. <laughs> but I was like, oh, yes. Finally, I don't have to listen to the same person saying the same thing over and over again, and I can have Victor in my party every time, or whoever. Victor's there. But um, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate some of Grimio's more fatherly characteristics, older brother characteristics. Um, and so I'm more sad. But yeah, I, I never used to be. <laughs> I, I was pretty affected by it the first time I played. I wasn't expecting it, and this time I was expecting it, and it's it's still... It's a grisly end, especially for uh, the period that this thing was written in. Um, and the fact that they kind of undo it at the end of the game, if you, if you get all of the stars. I feel that him dying provided a... Like, I remember other major characters dying in RPGs, like Tella in Final Fantasy IV. Uh, and that really, really affected uh, me. Spoilers, but it, oh my god. Yes, spoilers for... Uh, 1992 30 year old game oh my god I, um, it, anyway it, it, ff4 is that that might be 91 it's it's an oldie but uh, it was 91 i think it was 92 released in north america maybe maybe, maybe that's it but yeah uh yeah rpgs are old now this i mean we're playing a 27 year old one right now yeah that's true um and i mean i remember you know it was fairly it was a you know it was just it was kind of a sterile death and in this case it's like he's being eaten alive and while you're not seeing it he's kind of describing what's happening as it happens and that was whoa that is as Corey said it's it's pretty graphic and obviously uh Solosa, you didn't enjoy that at all 
Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I did expect a character death, and I thought it might be Gremio or Pan, because uh, they have been with you near the beginning, and um, and they have a relationship and an arc with you. Uh, uh, Pan, somewhat famously, betrays you to the Imperial forces near the beginning of the game, then rejoins you uh, after seeing the error of his ways um, uh, in the same recruitment arc with, uh, with, with Sheena's father. Uh, Lapont. Yeah, Lapont. That's it. Yeah, uh, with the with, in the in the story segment where Lapont joins you, um, uh, Pan returns to the army. So I thought that uh, Gremio or Pan might sacrifice themselves for you, but it, it ended up being uh, both of them, sort of. <laughs> but uh, I, I did not both enjoy. Of them it. If you're terrible at rock paper scissors, you're terrible, at, or, or if you just didn't level up Pan at all, because there's a chance sure. that uh, he's level eight against uh, in in the one on one segment later, which you know not recommended. Um, but but the uh, we'll get to that in a minute. In a minute, um, Gremio dying. I did not enjoy the means, but I I did not mind the drama, and I also did not mind being able to have someone besides Gremio in my party. Uh, but but and uh, remarkably, after you take on uh, a Millich Oppenheimer in sort of the dungeon right after Gremio passes, uh, and similarly with Rosman, uh, you, you have a, the choice to either execute a Millich or have him join your army and. Uh, both of them seem to be under the control of uh of Windy, which is again not a very intimidating name for an evil sorceress. Um, it makes me it makes me think of that of that association song. You, you know what I mean? Uh, who goes bopping down the streets of the city? People know that song. Just I don't, me? but I want to now. Really? Oh God! <laughs> don't, don't listen to it. Like, the association is legit. One of my least favorite bands ever. They 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 have a song Crimson and Clover that just makes me cringe. Uh, but but oh, the, well, the, the Joan. <laughs> yeah, the Joan Jet version of Crimson and Clover is better, but the Association version is not good. Any, anyway, whatever. You do not need to talk about uh, folk groups from the 60s. Um, uh, yeah, like, like Millich is kind of a uh, total scumbag, but you have but you have the option the option to execute or have him join. Of course, I had him join because I want all 108 characters, but or I should say 108 stars of destiny. But uh, that time, I, I at least thought about it. Um. But yeah. but the segment after uh, okay, sorry sorry go ahead. I said yeah, that's a tough one. Maybe the second toughest one after uh, phrase. Oh yeah, but oh um oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot his name. But um he doesn't become a star of destiny. Although you do right. have the option to killing him or not, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and that I one think feels I, good. I think I let him go, uh, because I I thought that maybe mercy was the right decision every time. But I, I don't think that one affects the story. I, I probably would have had more satisfaction in killing. But uh, after the segment with Millich's uh, area of the kingdom, you uh, you go north to the factory to an area that was a uh, and and um, the location of the secret factory was a minor plot point earlier in the game before Odessa dies, uh, and so you, you go through uh, the, um, the the city that was destroyed um, when uh, when Matthew Sil- uh, Silverberg was still um, regretting his role as a tactician with the with the Empire. Uh, you obtain some special items called fire spears from the factory. But the most important part of this at all of, of this is that before you escape there, um, you're, uh, you meet your dad again. Uh, Teo McDowell's army kicks your army's butt uh, without any uh, w- uh, without any casualties potentially, uh, except that when he's chasing you down after that defeat, um, Pan, the, your, your monk character from the that you know betrayed you and come and comes back takes him on one-on-one and i think i don't think you have to defeat teo i think pan just has to last five rounds or something is that right i'm not sure i 
the last number of times I've done it, I, I've beaten him, I think. But I, I could be mistaken. I think I beat him, but I think, but I also think that you're maybe you're okay if you just last enough enough turns. But uh, regardless, uh, the guide that I was following told me to level up Pond to thirty and give him good equipment. So, so I did, and I survived without, you know, without having to reset my game at least. But uh, it was kind of close because Teo does a lot of damage, and if Pond's under leveled, I'm sure he takes a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, the first time I played this game many, 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 many years ago, I um. I just thought it was an unwinnable fight because um, I don't think I I didn't understand like the equipment and how sharpened your weapon were was like um, contributed in any way to like how the duels played out and he killed me in one hit. I was like, oh, all right, well, I guess I guess it's Pond's turn to die now too, <laughs> and I just sort of went on with the game. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough even if you're even if you're leveled up and even if you have all the right equipment and all the right sharpening. Um, but it's it's a great moment. Um, either way, actually, um, if you haven't watched on dying, it's actually pretty. It is. I mean, I would feel real bad for Cleo at that point, having yeah. lost like everyone. Yeah, geez. Yeah, if Grimio and Pond died, and it was just and Ted. Yeah, and and Ted. Yeah, and if and if it was just Tear and Cleo, I mean that 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 almost seems like a a budding romance moment, uh, like coming together in a time of trauma, but that that's my dumb romance brain always trying to uh, ship characters together. I, I, I blame me being on Fire Emblem forums in like 2004. <laughs> you, know, you know, that is a powerful moment. I, uh, unlike the Gremio death, I was forewarned of this one because of the guide I was following. Um, but I, I mean, I was just, I, I, I was a little bit fixated on getting all 108. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I mostly cared about him surviving rather than the the drama of the scene. I, I bet it is a cool moment if you if uh, if you run into it. Um, uh, uh, Corey, did Pond survive or die for you? The first time through, he died in I think it was like two hits, um, which I wasn't expecting because the rest of the game is so easy. Uh, but I then had to reset and caught up on a guide and was like, oh, I I need to use this dude and level him up. Um, and I got a guide for like what the different dialogue dialogue options mean um indicating like what move i should use and I, I got through it at that point on the second try um but sort of like you solosi that uh the drama of it was lost on me because i was like oh my character died and the yeah. second time i was just fixated on him surviving it's, it's funny too because i feel like the the translation which we've talked about actually makes rules harder than they need to be like <laughs> i feel like in two and especially by the time you get to five when the translations have improved like i understand what everything means but this time i was like I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to go in for a desperate attack, but I'm not sure. Um, and yeah, and I think that like that makes it more difficult. Yeah, it was not predictable at all. Like some of the dialogue did not seem to line up with. Yeah, the I agree. It helps that Pawn is also a likable character who, while he wasn't in my final party, is like a useful character in the game. Unlike Remio, like I did not want him to die, uh, so I didn't mind putting in the effort. That's the thing about Gremio that drives me a little bit crazy. If they put something in the game to make him indispensable or give him an ability in battle, like something he does with Tyr, for example, that made that, that gave you a reason for wanting him to stay in the party, and then when he dies, it's gone, you would actually feel his absence on a gameplay level, not just an emotional level. So Remarkably, kind of he, he, he kind of has that, but it's a unite with, uh, with Pawn, of all, of all things. It's like he has a pretty good unite with Pawn, that's better than Pawn wasting every other turn with Boar. 
But uh, I, I think you're right. It would have been better if he had a really good Unite with Tyr. Then that would have made uh, his presence in the party more valuable and his loss to your party more impactful. I mean, it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, Ryo and Joey in, uh, in Suikoden 2. They have an awesome, awesome Unite that you basically are, uh, use all the time until Joey leaves your party permanently. And it's like, oh, damn, now I, I wish I had that Unite again. But uh, but there, but but there's no such gameplay uh, uh, lost feeling with Gremio because again I think all four of us were sort of glad we, he wasn't mandatory anymore. <laughs> yeah, like I go back to Final Fantasy IV again with Pella, and like when Pella dies again, spoilers, uh, you lose your only Black Magic user. Like all of a sudden you don't have Black Magic anymore. Uh, yeah, you get Kane and Rosa, so you have White Magic and Jump Boy, but you uh, <laughs> not having a a magician in your party. Or not having a sorcerer in your party, it, it it actually made me miss Tella on a gameplay level as well. Although it is amusing that Rydia, who I think is eight years old at the time, has more MP than Tella, who has it capped at ninety his whole run. <laughs> now uh, Rydia is gone by then. Rydia is in the land of summon monsters by that point. Or right, that's true. But 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 still, I, I think she does eclipse his MP total. Like when, but like even by the time you're fighting the. Uh, uh, the, the 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 Kraken thing, but uh, right, right, whatever. I'm I'm just so, I'm I'm just annoyed that Tella never had uh, 91 MP. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I well, think another thing when we're talking about the way they, they um do storytelling through gameplay, one of the things that I I like here a lot is how against Tio, basically you have to cheat by getting the fire spears to beat him, and they make him by far the most difficult duel. Um, I think it does a nice job of sort of like elevating um like sort of who your father is um as a character and as a general. Um and it's it, it's so as Corey was pointing out, it's so out of balance for the rest of the game that I think that is sort of a cool cool thing that they're doing here. Um that uh, they don't do a success. <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice story pickup too. Like it, it, they really could have just like let the fire spear subplot go by the wayside. I don't think anyone would have noticed or cared. But the fact that they picked it up again was a smart choice. And um, I mentioned that I never saw the pond death scene uh, in spite of it being a satisfying moment of drama. One really great moment of drama in this game is your father's death scene because uh, like, it, it's, it feels very, uh, very Suikoden that because of his ideals and your ideals, you sort of have to fight. But... Um, even, and and Teo definitely tries his hardest and and isn't letting you win. But when he does lose and and dies basically in your arms, he's weirdly proud of you because he's seen the man that Tyr has become and how strong he's become. And and Tyr is is fighting for what he believes in. And I think I think Teo uh, Teo respects that, even though they're on opposite sides. And even he insists that uh that that his two um his two lieutenants join uh. Uh, uh, join the Liberation Army afterwards, and I ended up using both of those lieutenants quite a bit in the in the next segment because I mean they're they're basically like they're basically like like uh like Flick with that's a little bit less strong but with really good runes. Yeah, I, I forget uh, one of them's named Alan. I forget the other one. Uh, Grenseal, I think. Yeah, yeah, Alan and 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 and, and Grenseal or or something. That, that, that I think that is right. But uh, but. Like the fact that they combine this moment of incredible drama with it that has, you know, I that has ideas of honor and loyalty clashing with each other, and then you get two recruits out of it is it is extremely sweet to them to me. I, I think it's the best moment in the whole game, honestly. Um, because especially when you contrast it with the first two generals, where in both cases it's like, oh well, 
we had a black rune. So like, oh, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. Um, whereas with him, like he's he's clear eyed. He sees it. Um, he's in favor of the general, and he's gonna do. Theo is gonna do what he needs to do. Um, to uh, be loyal to the emperor. Um, and you know, they're the way that they play that death scene, as you were saying, it, it like it shows, um, like sort of the honor he had, um, but also the respect he has for his son. Um, and yeah, I think that his death scene is really moving. Um, and presages a lot of what I think the series does incredibly well, sort of after this game as well. I think all I think it's a great death scene too. It's probably one of the best ones in the game. It, it, it the thing about death scenes in this game that always kind of gives it a an extra sadness is that immediately after this person who's important to you dies, your rune just goes nom 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 and eats their soul. Yeah. Which is like even darker. It's like he's not even going to the afterlife. He is just getting devoured by your hand. Yeah, because I mean, already in this game, if you include Pan, I mean, we have Ted, Odessa, Gremio, Pan, and Teo. With you, with you getting a spell upgrade with uh, with two or three of those, and I would call all of them like memorable, effective de- uh, uh, death scenes. And I, I like the way they play with, and sort of in a subtle way, the idea that those who are close to this rune, or those who carry the rune, if they're going to lose everyone close. Um, and I like the, again, like the way that the rune as an entity is sort of there and they played up more in the second game yeah and also the, like the uh, the soul eater runes curse is that the person who wields it will be surrounded by death and uh and i i think that's not communicated right at the beginning you you learn about that fact later but it, it is manifesting itself in the story uh and and that like and like i think tear sort of realizes they'll be surrounded by tragedy i'm skipping ahead to squeak it in two again uh, Tyr is in the game and uh, has a romance with a character from Suikoden 1 uh, uh, the ninja girl Kasumi but they, Kasumi mentions in Suikoden 2 that she only visits uh, Gregminster once a week because Tyr insists they can't be in a, in a long relationship because it'll probably kill her and it's, it's <laughs> like uh, crazy moments like that are sort of the intersection of Suikoden drama and tragedy and 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 mystic runes it's it, it, it it's crazy but it's a but um like as it was happening i was just more and more impressed with the uh with the dark choices suikoden makes how far into the timeline have we gone with suikoden zach like uh, i think suikoden th- three is the last three. one isn't it yes so it's about 20 ish years after this one okay um, but really we've gone no- back um, over a hundred years. Uh, Suikoden Four takes place like hundred and fifty years, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Ted is in Suikoden Four, uh, yes. which I which I learned from the Suikoden Draft episode we recorded a few weeks ago, and I, and I know that Suikoden Five is also a prequel. Yeah, it's it takes place I think ten years before Suikoden Two. That's uh, or maybe it sounds it's like ten ish years before one or two. I can't remember. And they've only identified like what is it like something like maybe twelve of the twenty-seven true runes. It's a uh, whatever. So um, Konami's not going to make more Suikoden anytime no, soon. But there's a, there's a lot of stories still on the table. I was Ooh. just thinking that like if 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 there is ever a six and it is set way in the future, Tyr could easily be there because he's immortal now. Yeah, or or um or a successor to Tyr with the Soul Eater rune. It's there's a lot of ways it could go. I can't see Tyr. Based on Tyr's behavior and like his selflessness, I can't see him passing it on to anybody. 
unless unless he was making a selfless sacrifice similar to what Ted did, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, speaking of selfless sacrifices, uh, and speaking of Odessa, who you know died in the in the first part of the game that we've already discussed, uh, after the sequence with um Teo McDull, you go to an area to the far south, uh, um, which has a village called Warrior Village. And uh, and is ruled over by one of Wendy's subordinates named Necklord, who is a a vampire, like a straight up Bella Lugosi ass vampire, uh, that uh, uh, demands a a uh, a young maiden from the village every year, I think, and uh, and and this year it's a woman named Tengar, and uh, and perhaps unsurprisingly, the uh, that story segment involves um. Uh, taking on Necklord and rescuing Tengar, but uh, n- uh, you're immune to all of Necklord's. Uh, I'm sorry, Necklord is immune to all of your attacks. You so you have to find a sacred sword called the Seven Star Sword that will be able to weaken him, and uh, and then that's the you know the uh, the story for this part of the world. But uh, one thing I noticed very soon, or I should say, uh, very early, is that in the Warrior Village, you learn that Flick is from Warrior Village, but uh, but left it many years ago. And also, people in the warrior village, or I should say, young men in the warrior village, uh, when they when they come of age, they inscribe the name of the person they love the most into their sword. And Flick's sword is named Odessa. That's some that, that's some world <laughs> that's some Dark Souls item description world world building in 1995. Yeah. It's, it's so good. love it, love every bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because I I don't remember because you go back to the. This, I don't want to talk about speaking too too much, but I think you when you go back there ish, or you're you're involved evolved with uh, people from Warrior Village again. Didn't do. Yeah, no, and no. Ten, remember... um, Tengar and and her husband that I hate are are in that game as well. Yeah, and I don't know if they ever make it. I mean, they know, they know it's textual, like you talk to someone and they say it about Flick, but it's just always interesting to me that they never make a big deal about it. And I even brought Flick along with me this time just because I was like, oh, it'll be fun to bring Flick along. I'm sure that he'll interact with them in some way, and I didn't quite remember. You know, that it never happened. I, I like to keep a revolving door of party members, so whenever there was a new uh, story area to explore, I would bring on at least two people that I hadn't used before, just to try them out. And this time, uh, for the Necklord stuff, I brought along Alan and Grenseal, and there turns out they're both great. My Yeah, my front line was Victor Alan Grenseal for that whole segment. Victor Alan Grenseal sounds like a full name of somebody. Yeah, or it sounds like maybe a law firm of Victor, Allen, and Brent Seal. I think that's great. I mean, my problem... You want to know my main problem with this game? It's my party is usually determined by the characters that I know the best because I've gotten story development with them. And a lot of characters like Allen and Brent Seal, they are... I mean, they, they, join the, they join the army, but there's nothing else with them. There's no side quests. There's nothing. So I don't really feel like I want to add them to the party because there's nothing there. They're just kind of like, I don't know, empty suits filled with skills. They'll, they'll, they'll have a recruitment arc of sorts where they get at least some dialogue. Yeah. But for the overwhelming majority of characters, once they're in the army, that, that's it. Unless you interact with them in the castle. Uh, you get some surprising second rounds out of people like, uh, like, like Taiho and Yamku when you have to build a better boat to explore a little bit. They, they, they show up again. Um, and oh, oh, and that, that loser thief that you have to do. Yeah. Uh, that that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you ha- you have to do the Moravia Castle with this stupid thief that I hadn't used in ages, so he was level seven or something. Yep. But uh, <laughs> uh it, oh, like, it, yeah. 
yeah if if i had my way i would just have uh um valeria and ronnie bell and cleo and every single party but the game didn't always let me do that uh, oh yeah ronnie bell the uh the quote unquote large woman that joins you at the factory um <laughs> she is maybe my favorite uh minor character in the game i love her because her rune's amazing and she uh is hilarious and looks amazing I'm, th- th- we have no Ronnie Bell disrespect in this house, and one of my favorite characters in Suikoden Three, the Suikoden Wiki tells me, is her daughter, and, and oh, Emily. Yeah. From, yeah, Emily from Suikoden Three is is Ronnie Bell's yeah. daughter. Oh, apparently Emily is also the daughter of one of the blacksmiths. Yeah, no, no, no. Ronnie Bell ha- is is obviously uh, has an obvious crush on the blacksmith that's in the, that you meet at the factory, and like, and e- even in her, uh, if after you beat the game, Ronnie Bell's little. Uh, blurb is that she's trying to learn how to cook and clean so she can be a better wife <laughs> again love everything about her ronnie bell mvp of suikoden one oh okay you know that that's a lie this soul leader rune is the mvp of suikoden run but in in the in the non-tier division ronnie bell's in. uh and and well ronnie bell and valeria are actually kind of similar because both of them have uh runes that deal um a critical hit damage uh i should say a critical hit amount of damage to any single target, but Ronnie Bell has higher attack power, and uh, Valeria has way better armor selection and defense power. So they, I, I basically had them in my party doing the same role, except uh, Valeria was frontline and Ronnie Bell was back. But uh, that, that, that's that's gaming. That's a gameplay minutia that we don't necessarily need to get into. Other than that, you all need to know that Ronnie Bell is the best. So uh, back to Necklord. Um and it's not Necrolord, and it's not like Neck N E C K Lord. It's I checked the Japanese translation. It's Neko Lord, so they 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 translated it connect correctly. It's just a weird looking name. Um, but uh, I mean, but after Lord works. Yeah, no, it, 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 it works. the The only unfortunate thing about him is that he has uh the best song in Suikoden history for his boss theme in Suikoden Two, and no such boss theme in Suikoden One. Uh, but uh. After learning you need a certain sword to find him, you go into a dungeon called the Cave to the Past, where you know the sword is. The sword, uh, which is sentient and sassy, uh, teleports you um, over 150 years in the past, uh, to, to, where you see a scene with Windy, Necklord, and Uber, which makes you realize that these are immortal even be- uh, evil beings that have been seeking out true runes for over a century. And, uh, and you meet a young Ted, and and uh, you see Ted obtain the Soul Eater rune for the first time from his uh, adoptive grandfather, and uh, and uh, and then Ted watches his village destroy, uh, his village become destroyed, uh, with you the the main party as witnesses to it, which is uh, surprising and it sort of gives you an idea of of uh, what Ted was and what his powers are and how lonely his life was for over a century before sort of finding a new family uh, with. Uh, with the McDowell household, especially with Tyr as his brother figure. And, and it makes the uh, uh, Ted's death way earlier in the game seem even sadder. But after seeing, basically visiting the past and getting some additional context, uh, you're transported back to the cave to the past. You get the seven star sword, which becomes Victor's weapon. Um, I'm, uh, and then, and now with the seven star sword in hand, you can properly challenge Necklord again. So, uh, I mean, what do we think of this? This was a cool scene. I it it, uh, it recontextualizes the earlier part of the game and makes you feel a little bit more for multiple cast members. I I loved it. I think it's fabulous. Um, I like 
too that like when you're in the past like you're you're there yeah it's like sort of passively watching it um and that interaction you have with ted um i think it's cleo i can't remember exactly who's it's talking cleo, to think, ted. yeah 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 cleo um, has to be part of your party there yeah yeah and she you know basically just tells him sort of what his life is going to be um and like i think it enhances the tragedy of ted's story a lot um and, and like i'd always I know we know a little bit about it because you know, I think it's 150 years in between where we see Sweet War happen, but um, just kind of how much he had to take on on his own. Or you think about like Tur, who's you know been surrounded by people, um, and his family, who was like literally the the name of the village was like the village of the hidden rune or something. I think. And how yeah, those sometimes the there. village names in Suikoden are a little on the nose. <laughs> you know, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be found. It's not very hidden. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, he's been alone for 300 years and just getting to see him as a child and or really beautiful home. Um, I don't like Necklord's Castle so much. Yeah, Necklord's Castle is a somewhat linear dungeon where it's sometimes kind of hard to see what's a wall and what's a door opening, which is, you know, one thing I don't love about, uh, <laughs> about, uh, early RPGs, uh, like just, you know, vague environment design where it's kind of hard to see a door. Uh, but it, and, and it goes on a little, a little too long. Um, I got a lot of mileage out of, uh, out of the, uh, the rage rune that Ren Seal has. And, uh, and of course the soul leader runes kill all button, but, uh, at the actual Necklord boss fight is, one of those surprisingly slightly difficult spikes compared to the rest of the game. <laughs> I I, th I think I had a character go down in the Necklord fight, which is not something I was used to happening. I and, think that's uh, when I first experienced death in this game. Before that, it was like, with a couple exceptions, it was mind-numbingly easy. I, I think I had one character die, so they didn't get experience at the end, which is one of uh, which is anxiety-inducing to me in, in old RPGs. If I have a big boss fight and one <laughs> character doesn't get the AXP, I hate that so much. But I, I don't, I don't think it was someone. Luckily, I don't think it was matter. someone important like Ronnie Bell. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't help that you have Hicks in the party. But... Yeah, you know what? I bet it was Hicks. <laughs> I think that was it. I think Hicks died, and I thought about resetting, but because it was Hicks, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he can stay dead. It's fine. Oh, yeah, Hicks is Tengar's fiance, who is a whiny jerk in the best of times and a below average party member in the worst of times. Uh, and he names his sword the Tengar, which is the maybe the only slightly endearing thing about him. Uh, but but after all this happens, Hicks and Tengar join you permanently. And Tengar is actually pretty good. She's a, a ranged character that's also a good magic user, similar to Cleo. Uh, but um, but I, I mostly I think I use Tengar for the. Uh, the Dragon Seek Valley area, and then permanently benched her, uh, be, be, because a after this, uh, you your characters get the bright idea of maybe recruiting dragons to take on the um, to take on Gregminster because the 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 Dragon Kingdom, though which is small but powerful, has been uh, historically neutral in the uh, in in all the conflicts in this part of the world. But when you visit there. Uh, you realize that all the dragons, except for a couple of them, have been fallen victim to a sleep spell. Uh, and so it, by pledging to help uh, wake up the dragons, they can maybe get on your side. Uh, you meet up with a couple of the dragon riders, including um, meeting Futch for the second time in this game. Again, uh, Futch is a dragon rider that helps you near the beginning of the game. Uh, he's, he's, uh, a young, he's very young, maybe a teenager. And uh, he uh, shows up again here. And oh, I forget. Uh, who's the leader of the of the uh, of the dragon of the dragon Joshua? That's it. You know what? 
I, I used to podcast with a guy named Joshua. I should I should remember that name a little better. Um, but the yeah, uh, meeting up with Joshua. Uh, uh, you go to an area called Seek Valley where there's a uh, one of the ingredients that you need for the antidote to the Dragon Sleep spell. You you, you use the same al- alchemist that helped you defeat uh, Millich Oppenheimer for this, and uh, tragically. Uh, oh, and you also have a boss fight against some summoned monsters by Wendy, which is a, a surprise. Wendy doesn't make a ton of appearances uh, in the past 10 hours until until you meet her at Seek Valley. But when you return uh, to the Dragon's Den, uh, uh, Futch, who made a, who on his uh, Dragon Black made a daring uh, uh, rescue attempt um, and, and, and had to steal some plants from Gregminster, uh, learns that his dragon black did not survive the the rescue, and um, but because a dragon liver was required for the antidote, they use that opportunity to use the dying black's liver. So it's it, it, I'm talking about it a little too quickly, but it is a, a very sad moment where you see a young boy's uh, dragon best friend. You you see a young boy learning that his dragon best friend died to to save all the other dragons, which. I don't know. Again, maybe not as as tragic as the death of Teo or Odessa, but that that that's just you know another case of Suikoden not pulling its dramatic punches at all. It's always sad when an animal dies in a game. Yeah, yeah, it always affects me, even when you barely know. I mean, you don't really interact much. With yeah, but it's it's a, it's a boy and his dragon best friend. Of course, you want the, the dragon best friend not to die. Although this does lead to uh, a Futch finding a baby dragon in Suikoden 2, and then riding that fully grown dragon in Suikoden 3. So it, it's worth it at the end, but, but still. Uh, the, the death of, of Black, the good boy dragon, is, is, is quite tragic. I love the scene um, where he, go, he dropped into Greg Minster, um, and then he interacts with the Emperor because he's literally in the Emperor's like, garden. Like, it seems like sort of like out back <laughs> of the palace. Um, and just the interactions there with the Emperor and the Emperor sort of trying to let him go, but Wendy's like not having it, um, I think is really cool. But yeah, I mean, I think that um, for me, it's always about like, I think of all the characters um, from one, two to three that have like the best arc, I think it might be fun. Um, and I think it's really cool that you're able to follow that, like follow it through so effectively um, over the course of the three games. There's not many characters that are in all of Suikoden 1, 2, and 3. It it might yeah. just be Futch and Jan, maybe? And Vicky. Oh, Vicky. Vicky, too, of course. How I have, I forgot her. But, uh, but yeah, Futch has a real arc and has a different look and different recruitment arc in each game. That is, it's pretty impressive. I mean, if the Marvel Cinematic Universe has taught us anything, is that uh, people get more invested as different stories connect to each other. And uh, and I think that's part of the fun of Suikoden is that there is a real rewarding interconnectivity between all of the games. Um, I mean, just transferring characters from Suikoden one to two seems uh, really satisfying. But uh, and, and, and I think that's part of the success of the of the Trails series in the 2000s and 2010s. But uh, yeah, Fuchs has a great arc in Suikoden one, two, and three. No, uh, no arguments here. So uh, we, we sh- maybe should have mentioned uh, Victor leaves your party. Uh, to try and um, go on a mission on his own a- after the the Necklord events, so Vic- you can't have Victor on your team for the dragon for the Dragon's Den segment. But uh, your spies come back after you recruit Butch and uh, and Joshua at all, um, and tells you that Victor has been captured by the Empire 
at Moravia Castle, because uh, Victor used to live at Moravia Castle and knows that castle's lord and was trying to recruit him to your cause, but the Empire got to him first. So the next segment is rescuing Victor in a, in a new castle dungeon. Um, you have a, a, a short, fairly easy army battle to deal with before then, and an, uh, uh, the garrison captain of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of that fortress joins your party afterwards. Um, but in the Victor recruiting segment here, uh, I guess the one interest this is the dungeon where that thief I mentioned before has to has to join you. I mean, I think for me, it's cool that the, the way they are able to invade and get up there is by using state uh, of Jouston as a um, sort of a pawn <laughs> where they sort of Matthew tricks them into coming down. That's what um, it is. This is this is a this is a Matthew moment that leads to that leads to him being injured afterwards. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew Silverberg, your tactician, um, manages to sort of create a false distraction with the threat of uh, of of city state of Jouston, the empire's old enemy from a previous war, uh, like uh, allowing you to, uh, I should say, providing the distraction for you to sneak into Moravia Castle to rescue Victor. That's what it was. I think it's one of Matthew's best moments. Um, it feels like a, a true tactician moment. Um, and it's like, Matthew, I think, is painted as being sort of like such a nice guy um, in ways that future strategists maybe aren't. And I think um, see him manipulating another country, um, I think is really cool. And I can't imagine that would really play well later, although it plays out okay. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the relations between the new country might be a little strained, like you used to. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great moment. Uh, and. Uh, slightly sadly, um, at, at, uh, after this arc, you're, you're, we're basically in the end game now. The last Imperial t- uh, general to take down is General Sonia, who uh, r- runs a fort called Shasarazad. But uh, I, I and I, I hope I'm not getting the timing wrong here. Right, I think it's right before Shasarazad when you're um, preparing your army for it. Uh, uh, you're you you get a literal backstabbing moment when Matthew Silverberg. Is attacked by, uh, by Sanchez, who was one of the uh, one of your original um, uh, group members with the Liberation Army when Odessa was still alive, but was revealed as an Imperial mole, and uh, he was the one that both uh, gave that both let uh, gave away the uh, location of the hideout that led to Odessa's death. Uh, he was the reason that uh, Teo and others knew about your army's movements, and. Uh, in his sort of last moment of loyalty to uh, the Empire, he attempted to kill Matthew Silverberg after uh, after the Moravia um, incident. It, 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 that's when it happens, right? It's before Shasarazad and not after, right? I think it's on site, if I remember correctly. Like, yeah, I think it's there. It, yeah. yeah, I think I think yeah, it happens, and then like, and then Matthew is bedridden and injured when you yeah. when you storm Shasarazad, right? Because. Well, Sanchez no, lights right off after, right? the um, the oil that you pour into Shazarazad, or however you say it, early. <laughs> um, I think um, I thought it happened there, but you know, I it's been like I don't know, like a month. I, I could be mistaken, but I, it it all happens right around that. Time. Yeah, and, and oh, he also comes up with the idea to move to move a huge number of troops there on boats made of ice. Yeah, it's also very cool, and I don't really know how they would, they, cool. they, they do it with the dragons. I don't really know how that worked, but it's cool. Because yeah, I, th- I think some of the dragons have ice breath, and they managed to just create a bunch of ice boats to move thousands of troops over water quickly, <laughs> which is... 
another one of those one storytelling right there like we got yeah an, another capital t <laughs> tactician moment <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I, I I might have gotten the events out of order again. I'm sorry. I, I beat this game over a week ago, but uh, right around the time of the Shasarazad uh, gambit, uh, either during the invasion of the castle or just before or just after uh, Sanchez betrays your party. Um, and, and there's hints to it that that Shasar that uh, Sanchez was the traitor because he's never a name on your 108 stars of destiny tablet, even though he's with you at the castle the whole time. And uh, if someone didn't betray Odessa and keep uh, the enemy appraised of your army's movements, it had to be someone that was with your army, or at least with the Liberation Army, uh, the entire time. And if you didn't think it was Flick or Victor, it would have to be Sanchez. Or, or, uh, or uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Humphrey. Humphrey, yeah, the strong, silent type, Humphrey. Um, and uh, I, I feel bad for forgetting Humphrey, because Humphrey's actually pretty good in this game, and he's like one of the only three people that can wear gigantic armor which i appreciate Great thing. It yeah does damage. yeah i think him and pest merja are the your only choices for best tank right like who else is there i can't really think i would never use anyone else those are like those are <laughs> definitely like i have humphrey in my party and then i get pezzy and then humphrey goes away That's yeah th 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 there's some characters with good defense like uh like valeria and flick that can wear shields but can't wear giant army like armor like humphrey can so so anyway, uh, Sanchez is the traitor. You, I, I don't think you even have the option to execute him. He stays with your army no matter what, and you can even still talk to him in his room to change your party members if you want to. I wouldn't trust him to do that, though. <laughs> I mean, that would be real. That would be a really funny gameplay mechanic if you asked him to put people in your party, and then you just go into a battle and you discover you have a completely different party oh, than no. you told. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's like it's like that right. would have been brilliant. Oh God, Sanchez! For this fight, I want uh, Flick, Victor, and Ronnie Bell, and instead you give me Hicks and the and two ninjas. What's what gives, man? It's just <laughs> you and Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like, like why did, like all four blacksmiths and Hicks? Why? <laughs> Every time it happens, you're just like Sanchez. <laughs> and all and also. Uh, you, you you get a literal Sancho Panza that joins your party near the end of the game, which is which just made the which one Sanchez, which one Sancho a little confusing for me. Or is, is it Pancho instead of Sancho? I think it's just Sancho. It's not yeah, Sancho. I think it's super similar. Yeah, they it's... changed they changed Maxim or they changed uh they called him Maximilian, but clearly uh it's um it's Don Quixote. Yeah, 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 and and and. and that Sancho or Sancho Panza is making me confused with the character Sancho from Dragon Quest V, which I think maybe we mentioned in the previous episode, Zach. I don't remember. Uh, but I'm, I'm way better at remembering Dragon Quest V character names than Suikoden 1 character names. Um, <laughs> There's a lot fewer of them, so that helps. Yes. But uh, anyway, Shasarazad Castle is a, is a small to medium-sized dungeon, not nearly as annoying as Necklord's Castle or, or Moravia Castle. And at the end... Uh, the character that joins you is another one is I almost wish she joined earlier because I really, really like Sonia. Uh, when you meet her uh, and, you, and you don't have a, rake, a duel against her, you don't have a one on one. You have a, a, a proper boss fight. Um, she was your father's girlfriend <laughs> and uh, she was in love with Teo McDole, Teo McDole, who was a widower. Uh, they, they were in a relationship and she even mentions that she could have been you as in Tyr, uh, Tyr's mother or stepmother. So it's like, oh, she and Teo were uh, partners. Maybe we're going to eventually get married. But then she sees her uh, her lover's son kill his father. 
So she openly hates you, and you can recruit her by talking to her in your castle dungeon. And she and she even says, "Are you sure? Like, I'm not gonna murder you on the front while we're on the front line together." And you're like, "Yeah, join anyway, man. Uh, almost stepmom." <laughs> It's I, uh, I I had her in my final party. I actually really like Sonia. <laughs> I, you know, I've never used her just because she's literally, if you're kind of following the guide, she is the last star you recruit. Um, yep. But um, I, I I love that it's it gets back to the thing I've been talking about so much. I love how subtly and simply and quickly that whole backstory goes through. Um, like, and you feel it like like you understand her motivations. You understand why she's doing what she's doing. Um, and you can sort of get that history with, uh, that she has with T.O. And if this was a game that was made in 2020, it would be like a 50 minute long flashback and like seven side quests associated with it. Like, no, like 10 lines of dialogue. You know who this character is. Move along. I think it's awesome. I, I, I really like her. Um, she is kind of like Alan and Grenseal in that she's a, a frontline attacker that has just a lot of magic points. Uh, but but um you could but you can take off the uh, uh the water rune she comes with, so I just I just gave her a flowing rune and made her my my main healer for the final dungeon, but uh, but she's also a pretty good frontline attacker and can equip shields. I, I I like her from that gameplay perspective, and I I just like her story arc. Uh, I, she was like a like right when she joined, I'm like, oh, she's interesting. What are her stats like? Oh, these are good too. Welcome to the team. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I maybe I can mention my my final party was. Uh, tier flick victor because they're required then uh sonia ronnie bell and valeria that, that, those were those were my people the whole game i uh uh it's a banging final party i like I, I, I really i i i enjoyed it a lot like i was i thought about it a lot i i probably wish i could have had a different attacker attacker besides victor because i think his uh I, I don't like how his skill stat is a little bit low but he misses um, a lot yeah, I I would have rather had um like either eh, maybe Pesmerja, maybe Clive instead of instead of Victor, but I, uh, I I'm really happy with the final party options that I got because right after you um recruit Sonia, I mean that that that's that's the end of the game. If you have all 107 main characters recruited by then, with Sonia usually the last one, then uh um uh, Leknot shows up, uh, the the witch from the beginning of the game, and and uh, Luke's master, and says that. Uh, because you've uh, gathered all 108 stars of destiny, I am able to grant a wish for you that's in service to accomplishing your quest. And if you have all of them, you get to revive Gremio. And uh, you can really have Gremio in your party instead of Ronnie Bell or Valeria. Although, to which I respond, why? Um, <laughs> maybe you weren't wishing for Gremio. Maybe you were just hungry and you really wanted some stew and then you just misinterpreted it. <laughs> If they, if I was, a, if instead of reviving Gremio, they gave you Odessa or Ted instead, I wouldn't have minded. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that could have been a really bad I, thing. I'm sure there's just... some game shark hack for it, though. So. Oh, I'm sure there is. Oh, God. <laughs> if, you, if you want to really ruin the inside of your SNES cartridge, like, uh, go back to the Game Genie Game Shark days. <laughs> I mean, that really, it really could have been the end of the game if Gremio just appeared surrounded by a cloud of flesh eating bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or no the gremio has a new unite where he uh where with him and uh and and millich uh, oppenheimer where he throws fleshing eating bacteria at the enemy <laughs> have we have we just created the better suikoden in one? <laughs> oh, we gotta we gotta make a fan hack but the, <laughs> but um with the whole army uh assembled 
you have a final army battle against Uber's forces just outside Gregminster. And, and again, this is probably the hardest army battle in the game. Um, and on at least one occasion, my ninjas gave me bad information, which I, I, I might have been a glitch or might have been outstandingly bad luck on my part. I'm not sure. But uh, uh, and, 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 and I did end up resetting after losing because, well, I, I wasn't losing, but one of my characters died in the army battle. No, you don't. Which I, and I didn't exactly. I didn't want that, so I reset. Um, I I only lost like fifteen minutes of progress doing that. But um, a- after you ha- complete that army battle, you go into Gregminster. Um, you get the best armor and weapons in the game from the shop in town there, and you have to fight a whole bunch of soldiers going through Gregminster Castle to take on the Emperor. I love this end game. Soldiers. That's why I brought Kai along with me, because his United Attack with Tur. That's right. Yeah. Out so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think Still it's just uh, I think it's just a regular attack damage or maybe 150 percent attack damage, but to all enemies, which is awesome. Uh, just using two characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, with, like and, with, and without using any any spell slots for soul either either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I can't remember who else I had in my party this time. I always bring along Pesmerja because I I can't not bring along Pesmerja. And I think I had Cleo, maybe... I actually don't really remember um, who I brought along this time, but definitely got. Hmm. Corey, who was in your final party? Um, I think I made a lot of use out of Pesmerja. Um, Cleo, I used throughout the game. Really strong magic attack. Um, I, I'm blanking on who else beyond the required character. Uh, I think Luke may have been in there. Um, I did mess around with Renseel and Alan at the end, and I regretted not using them a little bit earlier because they felt pretty, I don't know about overpowered, but pretty legit. Oh, they are super um, good. I, again, I used both of them just on a whim for the Necklord segment, and they were ass kickers the whole time. It's sort of hard because like, you get accustomed to, I don't know, like a smattering of characters by the mid-game, and then the game just tosses so many of you, of them at you uh, like jana was saying and you don't really get to know them and so i wasn't often incentivized to mix and match too much uh but those two in particular are really useful uh jana do you remember who you used in the fi- in this final run uh yeah so the three obviously tier uh victor and flick and then in the back line there was cleo uh there was um i think i'm pretty sure i took val uh Valeria with me because I just like her a lot and she was with me the entire game up to that point so like I was pretty hardcore on the on the sword front and yeah I brought in uh, Ty as well because just crowd control yes we have we have some shared favorites uh Kai and Valeria making multiple appearances but they give you a lot of good characters in Sweet and One like unless you get real crazy like again bringing along hicks and four blacksmiths uh, uh you you can have a uh, it's not hard the blacksmiths to... actually have a united attack that i don't remember what it does but i remember being pretty good <laughs> i you, you know i i'm saying this as a joke i didn't really use the blacksmiths ever but i remember at least the the first two that join are pretty below average but i uh <laughs> I, I mean i mean i i remember that uh i briefly did try to use um uh one of the cooks near the beginning of the game and he was just garbage so so whenever i had someone join that had like a castle role they just stayed in the castle the whole time (laughs) yeah it's interesting because like in future games 
they would have just had a castle roll, right? Um, so you can see them sort of figuring that out that they just needed to let those castle roll people just stay in the castle for the most part. Yeah, but in in Suikoden one, uh, there's a lot of characters that that are both roles. Like I, I don't think Jean the Rune Master or Marie the Innkeeper can join you, but uh. You know, for one segment of the game, I, I had, um, I think her name is Sarah, the laundry girl. I had her in my party, and she's oh, actually... I didn't even realize she could be in your party. Yeah, she's actually not bad. <laughs> she's like, uh, she's kind of like Cleo with slightly worse magic and slightly better attack. She she throws knives. Um, But uh, yeah, they give you a whole mess of characters to use. A lot of them barely interact with you, except for when you recruit them. So, and, and it's hard to try everybody, even though I did try to use a lot of characters. Uh, and and settled on a couple favorites, but they they do a good job of giving you a diverse lineup of uh, characters to mess around with, and uh, um and even though your final party has to have Tear Flick and Victor in it, you get enough freedom, and and the final dungeon in Gregminster is epic enough that it it feels like a a real end game. But but at the end of that castle dungeon is the uh, the final boss is the emperor and maybe calling back a little bit to that scene in the garden with with uh, with Butch, the emperor seems a little bit un uh a little bit reluctant. It's it it it, it it's like I I got the maybe this is me looking into it too much, but I got the idea that the emperor was not a very bad person and at one and at some time in the past was a good monarch and tried to be a good monarch. But when, but 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 yeah, but but then when Wendy, uh, came came up to him, uh, with an appearance probably deliberately looking like his like his deceased wife, uh, she manipulated him into a lot of evil acts so that she could ob- obtain runes, and he instead of sort of allowed himself to be controlled because he was in love with her, and was even probably aware that what he was doing was no longer uh was no longer in the public interest. But again, he was he was in love and and sort of acknowledged. Is that is that fair? I think that's almost exactly what it is. Um, I mean, she says at some point that she thinks that the that she had given him a black rune, um, and that that was what was controlling him. And he says no, um, because he he's controlling another rune. Um, that it's sort of like overwhelmed whatever that black rune was doing. That no, I basically I did it for love. Um, it's the power of love, which I <laughs> exactly. Which I don't really think excuses it, but um, does make him, I think, a fascinating character in that, you know, we've got someone whose motivations and personal ideals, uh, maybe not ideals, but personal hang-ups, uh, cause them to make poor decisions. But um, I really like that, actually. I thought that moment was really good, actually. I liked it, too. I just wish there was more from Wendy that made her uh, the reason why he was in love with her. I wouldn't have minded more dialogue out of Wendy and the Emperor, even if it was just a flashback to a conversation they had or something. But um, but I I I do feel like I have an idea of what the of what the Emperor is like from these limited interactions, and also from how much loyalty he commands. Like a lot of people in this game, including your dad Teo, have incredible deep respect for the Emperor, and uh, and he was in, in charge of the Empire when they uh. Uh, won a brutal war against against Jousten. So, at, at at some point, the emperor was at, at at least a good military mind and probably also a a good monarch. But but has l- allowed himself to be blinded by love of an of an evil woman. Um, uh, I hope that was that wasn't too sexist. But no, Wendy, she's an evil lady. 
Uh, but it, the final boss is the Emperor using his Sovereign Rune to turn into a giant three-headed dragon. Um, so this is the most use you'll ever get out of the double beat rune if you put it on uh, Victor or Flick like I did. And, uh, and, and as a, it seems appropriately epic for a final battle because it's, it's really on a, on a scale that uh, no other battle in the game or no other non-army battle in the game has been. And uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool, although it wasn't that challenging because by this time I was, I was so strong that I had more trouble just having enough spell points to get through the castle <laughs> well, uh, than, uh, than I had dealing with the final boss battle. Um, but, you know, I, th I thought it was appropriately epic, and for the epilogue to be uh, uh, dismantling the Empire and founding a new Toron Republic with, uh, uh, with, with Lepant as the first president and uh, Valeria and Sonia as two of the new, of the new generals, I, 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 that was satisfying to me. I, 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 even though the ending, a lot of the individual character endings were, they disappeared into the night, uh, I... I, I I was pretty satisfied by how this, by how Sukadin went in. Yeah, I mean, I just love that Tur and Gremio basically get the true ending. <laughs> um, oh yeah, get to go off on their own. I think it's a lovely moment. Um, and yeah, I think the final boss battle is pretty good too, especially because um, because you don't have as much rune flexibility in this game, you can't absolutely break it. Um, in like the like two or five. Or oh yeah, uh, uh, down uh, the final bosses in both of those less than a turn. Yeah, Corey, um, I, I don't know if you knew this, but in Suikoden 2, uh, characters can equip between one and three runes. Uh, so, yeah, you can have your strongest characters stack them with three runes and then uh, uh, beat the final boss in two turns. Yeah, that I like sounds... I kind of like the game. That sounds like a significant improvement. Wow. <laughs> I really like the end of this game because it follows just a basic storytelling conceit that you you know, you, you end up where you started at the beginning of the game, but everything's changed. It's recontextualized everything that you knew. So at the beginning of the game, you were in this happy, beautiful city uh, where you thought everything was fine. And then at the end, you return and it's barricaded and ready for war. And the, the color is different and the music is different. It's, it's a really nice storytelling turn there that just brings you back to the beginning um, and allows you to reflect on everything that's happened since then. The one thing I wish they had added was. Uh... Again, I'm I'm just terrible at remembering everyone's name in this game. Do you remember that uh, that toady advisor that worked for Craze that accompanies you to the uh, 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 to the to the bandit layer at the beginning of the game? Yeah, yeah, I don't don't remember his name. But yeah. yeah, you see him as an advisor in cutscenes later in the game. I wish no. there was a moment where you could just beat his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind a a, a good slapping scene or a, perhaps a defenestration from a tower scene. Uh, with with that with that guy, but and we didn't get it. But otherwise, the ending to Sweet in One is pretty satisfying. Where where you you defeat the final boss and you're happy with the outcome, but you feel a little bad about it. Like that that, that that's again that that's very very Sweet Corey, I I cannot remember what is what are the distinctions when you don't get all 108 in this game. What how does it does it end with Tur as president? Um, it ends obviously with our friend Gremio not coming back. Um. <laughs> I don't remember if it ends with Tur as president. It ends I with Han being very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's Tur as president, but you might want to double check that. I didn't okay. actually notice all that many distinctions between the two endings. Okay. 
Instead of having uh, Tyr and Gremio uh, uh, wandering off together, you just see a sad Tyr looking at an empty bowl that should be filled with stew. <laughs> Something like that. That's the true tragedy. All right. Well, okay. I think we're around at our stew mention quota for the episode, which I'm I'm putting the over under at four and a half. So uh, maybe it's time to start housekeeping and talking about what we're gonna podcast about next month. Um, but uh, thank you so much, Jono, Corey, and Zach for uh, talking about Suikoden with me. This is a game game that has been on my I probably should play this list for over twenty years. Uh, I I didn't indulge in any Suikoden until. Uh, until Suikoden 2 a couple years ago, and then now I've beaten the first three of them, and I'm very, very happy about that, and I'm also very happy I got to podcast about all three of them with it, with you guys. Yeah, it's been that fun. Was fun. Been there, there was a surprising amount of Suikoden 2 and 3 in this episode ostensibly about Suikoden 1. And, 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 There's a lot of connections, though, so that makes sense. That is true, and Corey, I hope this made you at least 1% more interested in trying uh, other Suikoden games. I was already at 100%. So I don't know, but I can go any higher. But yeah, I'm pretty excited too, especially Suikoden 2. Yeah, now you have a save file that you can carry on to Suikoden 2. So you can have a Flick, Victor, and, uh, and, uh, and, and Humphrey with some real pumped up stats. That's true. But you will not be able to get secret protagonist character. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you need, you need to have the true ending to do that. But, uh, but, Corey, if you decide to play Suikoden 2 soon, um, you're in for a very good time. Because I, even though I really enjoyed Suikoden 1, I think 2 is an almost universal improvement. That I, and now, I am, now that I have a good save file of Suikoden 1, I am very close to replaying that game myself. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know if we're going to do a Suikoden 2 Revisited for the, uh, for the podcast. Maybe. But I can tell you what we're doing next month. Um, we are doing four episodes in July. One about gaming accessibility that's going to be hosted by Hillary, and that's a topic that she is an expert on. So I'm really looking forward to how uh, that discussion goes. We're also doing another RPG fan quiz show. It's been about a year uh, since we did one, and I uh, have the questions all written and ready to go, and I cannot wait to see the contestants suffer trying to answer them. Uh, that's going to be a good time. And we're also doing uh, another game that's one of my more recent White Whales, Tales of Exilia. Uh, we're playing that over two episodes in July, and I really need to start that soon because I think that game is considerably longer than Suikoden 1, and if I want to finish it in a timely manner, I need to start that probably this weekend. So look forward to another quiz show, an accessibility episode, and Tales of Zillia coming in July. Uh, but li uh, listeners, um, thank you so much for joining us on these uh, three Suikoden episodes in June of 2022. If you want to suggest to us uh, episode topics or uh, leave any kind of comment, the best way to do so is to, is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on RPG Fans message boards, visit our Facebook page, check out our Discord, our YouTube channel, our Twitch, our Twitch channel, something going on in all of those places every day. Uh, and we also have three other fine podcasts for you to check out. There's Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness and current gaming things. Rhythm Encounter, also every two weeks about RPG music, and Phoenix Edge, currently on hiatus, but a pod our partner podcast usually about current events. You can review Retro Encounter and those other three on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever podcast uh, service you use, we are probably on it and searchable on it. Please leave feedback. We love feedback. Five stars preferred. But if you want to reach out to us as individuals and not as a podcast, how do you do that? Uh, let's tell you one by one, starting with you, Zach. Uh, the best way is probably email, ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on our Discord at ZachW. Now, Corey. 
you could email me at coreyt at rpgfan, um, or you can find me on Twitter at morecoffee88. Now, random encounter host, Jono. Uh, you can find me at jlogan at rpgfan.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. And listeners, if you want to find me, the best way to do so is at the Real Monsoon on Twitter, or uh, most of the time at Evoker for Dogs on Twitter. Other times, you can also find me on the RPG Fan Discord at Monsoon Mike. So, let's see if my math is right. That means I've over five years or so I've recruited 324 stars of Destiny. That, 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 that's pretty good. But um, I'm gonna go check prices on Suikoden and Five and see if I can get that number up to 432. listeners thank you good night and good luck